This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Bank Europe. This is episode 202. We still hang over from the celebration of episode 200 that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and uh, now we are moving forward with many more episodes. You're going to all follow us. Uh, and uh, we have today an amazing guest is uh, Mr. Ron from Cypher Rock. And uh, what is all about? These are disruption uh, uh, stories. It's something that uh, I really care a lot about, which is uh, management of private key for uh, Web3. What did I say? <laughs> Practically. When we sign something on Web3, it can be the metaverse, blockchain, everything else. It's a very complex thing. It's really one obstacle to bring this new technology to everybody. And we got stuck there to the same place for so long until I noticed that this technology that is being implemented by Ron. That's why I wanted to invite him here. Welcome, Ron, to Breaking Banks Europe. Thanks for having me, Roberto. It's been a pleasure. So what we're talking about, we, we're talking about a new way to manage private keys. And uh, I already saw that this is something new. I want to learn more how this uh, come to happen. I know that there is consensus behind what, what t- tell us a little bit of the story, how this uh, came to your mind and how this came all about. Sure. So for us, Roberto, it started almost three years ago. Um, you know, for us, it was always like, hey, we want to bring self-custody to masses, um, you know, to crypto. And uh, what we believe in crypto and Web3, um, which is sort of a controversial statement, but what we believe is um, exchanges, even to, to this day, have like most of the mind share in crypto. And if that continues to happen, then um, the same set of traditional banking regulations will come to exchanges eventually. And they are less helping and more bureaucratic in the whole process. And because of that, it will be the same, like the exchanges of today in crypto will be very similar to how our traditional banking system operates eventually. And if that happens, then the finance, which is enabled to crypto and Web3, will not be that different from from what that is enabled through or, you know, the traditional finance that we already use today. And so one of the core differences of finance enabled to crypto and Web3 is self-custody. The the whole idea that you can self-custody your own assets is one of the core pieces what differentiates, you know, your decentralized finance from what is uh, you know what is offered to a traditional banking infrastructure and so and so when we looked into um, into the self custody space we realized there are you know few fundamental problems that exist in the space that needs to be solved for a normal person to be you know to be comfortable being their own bank right 
So when we looked into, you know, how that should work out, we realized there are two core problems that need, that needs to be solved if, um, if, we ex- if we want to expect anyone to become their own path, right? So the first thing is we want to, they, we want to have to give them the same bank-grade security that banks use today for securing their own assets, right? So, so that the users have peace of mind around holding their own assets, right? And uh, when we thought about, you know, providing bank grade security, we realized, hey, we need to give something which, you know, in some sense, exchanges, your crypto exchanges use today for securing their own assets, but in a more consumerized way, right? You can't, like, you can't expect normal person to own, like, big Faraday cages in which they go and sign transactions. Right. Okay, so l- l- just before going deep into the rabbit hole yeah. of uh, all these security things, <laughs> for for everybody else, you know, when I, people operate with the bank and they made a mistake, they just pick up the phone and call somebody at the bank. Uh, they probably can help them or cannot help them. We don't know, but uh, you know, they have somebody to talk to. While uh, in the world of decentralization, uh, the, the responsibility falls on the person. That's why we say, be your own bank. In the case of crypto, be, be your own. Uh, storage of a set in the case of uh, nft that can be used as a ownership certificate or something rather than so the the, the issue is that uh, there is some uh, technicalities that to overcome to be able to manage this and we saw in the news many times that we have uh, the person that lost their drive with the keys and they cannot access it is fortune money and they're searching the dumpster place where all the trash is uh, in search for their drive right this is why. This is because uh, you need to have uh, a custody of uh, a, a phrase like 24 words or something like that that uh, give the access to everything, you know, to your NFT, to your crypto, to your signature in the Web3 world. What it means that if somebody finds that these words, that is key, they will be able to steal your identity, spend your money, and trade your asset. So it's always a big issue how to keep these things safe, but not let somebody else access it. You know, also in the case of inheritance, you know, there is still today a lot of issue managing these things, and it seems that in the in the big work that there is to do in order to bring this to a normal uh, aspect of life. Uh, uh, there is a first step, and the first step has been done uh, by Ron with Cypherrock, right? Uh, in uh, in making exactly what he's saying, some complex stuff uh, more accessible to the consumer. Uh, and this is uh, this beautiful wallet uh, with some cards, uh, then we're going to learn how it works. It's something very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to talk about, you know, how we do it, but I wanted to first start off with, like, what, what what was like sort of the issues that existed for the user, right? And how we thought about like actually, you know, going more towards the solution side of things, right? So, you know, when we expect people to be their own bank, that's what we realized we needed to solve two core things. First is we need to give them bank grade security to be their own bank, which is pretty logical. And the second is we want we have to solve the crypto loss problem. Right. So people lose crypto due to human mistakes. They lose due to hacks, scams, thefts. And so we need to solve this core loss problem, you know, while they are being their own bank. And if we are able to solve both of the security problems, which is sort of where the thefts comes in and the loss problem, 
then we can expect normal people to be their own bank, right? So this was how we realized, okay, this is what it is sort of missing um, right now for most of the people to actually self-custody their own assets. And so when we went more towards, you know, thinking about, you know, what could be the potential solutions be, um, we wanted to see what the exchanges were using today, right? So exchanges like Coinbase, you know, uh, Binance, Gemini. And so what we found was there's a technology called a Shamir Secret Sharing, which uh, these exchanges were using for self-custodying their assets on behalf of the users. You know, even if, you know, someone is using a crypto exchange, um, they basically um, delegate their crypto to be held by an exchange. But in reality, the exchange also needs to self-custody their assets to be a, for, on behalf of the users, right? And so we found out, well, this is what, you know, the top exchanges are using. And so what we wanted to see was, hey, can we take that technology and try to consumerize it for normal people, right? Because if you see, you know, holding your own keys was generally a very, uh, you know, a behavior that existed only in the enterprise space before, because you have the server root keys, you have, you know, other sensitive information that an enterprise, you know, had to sort of safeguard in the past. But in crypto, that behavior shifted from an enterprise to a consumer, right? When they were, you know, sort of uh, put in place to keep their own assets safe. And that's where we realized there needs to be a shift of using that same technologies that enterprise uses and the banks use for a normal consumer to use them, you know, efficiently. And that's where, um, you know, sort of Cypher Up was born. That's amazing. And uh, and how, you know, like uh, the project to come along, because uh, it's quite it's quite interesting for those that usually have uh, something like this in their hand, uh, which is the classic uh, ledger uh, that uh, 90 percent of the people in Web3 holds, which used to be the most reputable and uh, safe place to store until uh, they slipped on something and they actually declared that you can extract the private key out of it, which was quite uh, quite scary. That's why there's been this movement in looking for other solutions. And uh, so this is what I found. This is the uh, Cypher Rock wallet, uh, which is uh, very nice. I will make some videos to show how it works. Uh, and, uh, and the beautiful things are is accompanied by four cards. I, I have it because when I saw it online, I wanted to uh, look at it and investigate it. And it's interesting uh, how these are card very similar to an ATM card or a credit card, and uh, they work with uh, uh, a near field. How, how, why, why there is all these things on? Uh, what makes this uh, work like uh, uh, in uh, bank grade, uh, let's say security system to store the key? Why somebody can even not know what are their own uh, seed key, their, their, their own key, and still working without fear of losing them? Sure, So, you know, I'll maybe step it a, step it a little back there on what the thought process was. So what we realized was, hey, blockchains are about being decentralization. Why are my private keys also decentralized in some ways? Why am I trying to, you know, store it in one place inside the hardware? 
and make a copy of that in the form of seed phrases. So if you see, that's how most of the crypto ecosystem works today. You have one piece of hardware in which you, you, know, you have one set of keys which are used actively to sign transactions. And then you have a copy of those private keys in the form of seed phrase on a piece of paper. And now these two becomes two different, two uh, separate single points of failure, right? So seed phrases, obviously, they are literally your private keys on a piece of paper. If someone gets access to them, you know, your funds could be easily compromised. And even on the other side, what we have found out historically is even the most secure hardware wallets, as they claim to be, have been hacked in the past. So what is to say that they can't be hacked again? Right? Because just from first principles, we know there's nothing in the world that you can make 100% secure. It all comes down to what is the cost to attack a specific system. right? So you can make it as expensive as possible, but you can never make a system 100% secure. Right? Right. So what we thought was, hey, if we, if we never store the keys in one single place, which is in some sense, uh, in layman terms, decentralize it, then... Even if one one part of the key gets compromised, that is still not enough to compromise your assets, right? So we use uh, on the core technology layer, we use Shamish Wicket sharing, uh, which basically decentralizes the keys into five cryptographic parts, and all of those five cryptographic parts are stored into five tamper-proof hardware. So the five hardware being one of this device and four of these cards, as you just showed, right? And so the five parts get stored into these five things, which the user distributes out into different geographical locations. So maybe an average user of ours today, they store you know, the one device and one card in their homes, maybe even, even in two separate rooms of their homes, and then the rest of the three cards away from their home. So maybe one, in, one to your family, another one to their friend, another one, maybe someone like you know, um, buried in a backyard or something, you know, it's up to you. How do you want to secure that? But the magical part is whenever you want to make a transaction, you don't need to fetch all of the five things, right? You just need to fetch any two, but at least two out of these five things for you to be able to construct back the private key to make a transaction. Now, the advantages of these are fourfold. So the first advantage is it solves your loss problem, right? With any other wallet, you know, you if you lose the wallet and if at the same time you lose your seed phrase, you know, you're pretty much screwed. You lost your funds. Yeah, you lost your funds. There's no way to recover it. But in this case, you get three extra lives for you to recover your assets. So imagine in the worst case possible, you know, God forbid your, the house burns down. And if you have kept the three cards away from your home, there's still you can still fetch the two cards out of the three to recover back your assets, right? Even if the device and the card in your home got unfortunately burned down as well, right? So as long as you have any two out of these five things, your assets are recoverable. So that's how it sort of solves the loss problem. The second problem it solves is the theft problem, right? As you said, you know, there's always a um, always a trade-off between solving the loss problem or, or the theft problem, but Shamir Shikashang actually allows us to solve both of these problems simultaneously in a more optimal way, right? And so uh, when, when it comes to solving the theft problem, for a hacker now to compromise assets, he would also need to find at least two out of these five things physically, 
and then crack open the pin protection that you can set on top of these five things individually and only then he'll be able to hack the asset. So what that means is if the hacker finds the device and even if hypothetically he breaks through the security of the device, it is still theoretically impossible for them to hack your assets because the keys never are permanently stored into these five things individually. The keys can only be generated from two, but at least two out of these five things uh, for anyone to access your assets. Even okay, so let's say in a normal case, I will have one card in my wallet, uh, the device in my keychain or something like that, uh, and the other uh, three cards uh, spread around in safe place. In a, any case, I need to do a transaction. I will need to know how to access my device, uh, take out one of my key, and then uh, use them in combination to make uh, the, the transaction. And then uh, let's say some uh, thief steal my wallet, uh, no problem, they cannot do anything. I recover one of the other cards and it's like before, as much as if they steal my keys and in the keychain there is the device, uh, I simply order another one uh, and I restore everything from other two keys. So this give me a little bit more relaxing factor of having continuity in holding my asset. And, and there is another aspect that I loved that uh, you guys did. I end up having my Ledger Nano for my own things, then another one for one company I am part of, then another one for voting on uh, some governance uh, in another chain, another one. So it started becoming like uh, a small uh, container pool of uh, uh, different uh, things while uh, I saw that uh, your device can also hand multiple seeds. Uh, so I can actually have uh, private things, the company things, uh, the you know governance voting things, all with separate seeds, uh, all inside the same device and cards, right? That's correct. So one of the things we realized, Robert, you're completely right on that part, is a lot of people in the space are not just going multi-chain. They're also going multi-wallet, as you said, right? So, you know, if you are actually working in crypto, you have, like, you use different wallets today, one for your governance, one for your long-term storage, one for, you know, short-term degening uh, and stuff, you know? So there are different purposes that people use uh, their wallet today and becomes a hassle managing all of them, right? And so the way we designed our product is not just as a wallet, but also as a wallet aggregator, right? So as a wallet aggregator, what you can do is you, once you get, when once anyone gets the product, they can actually secure multiple seed phrases inside the same product. And we call them as wallet profiles. So you have like different wallet profiles with each, each wallet profile having their own seed as well as pin protection. So, you know, wallet one, maybe you basically secure your seed phrase of your MetaMask, let's assume, and your MetaMask doesn't have too many assets, right? So you don't want, maybe it's like $100, $200, which you are like, hey, I'm okay with not having a pin. And so you can, you know, maybe set a small pin or not even set a pin at all, right? But wallet two, maybe, you know, that's like your long-term storage assets where you accumulate most of your assets in. And so in the same wallet, uh, in, in wallet two, you can basically have a much higher pin protection, you know, so that you can have much better security against um, any brute force attempts that anyone tries to do, right? So you can basically select different security parameters for the different seed phrases that you secure in the same Cypher X one. 
And that's really because I mean, honestly, like I, I'm not here to advertise. Uh, just for disclosure, I'm getting nothing. I paid for my wallet that I ordered and I with them, and uh, I'm not getting anything. I really want to present this uh, to the world uh, because I believe it's really one step ahead in uh, bringing uh, the management uh, of a cryptographic signature to the world. Because until now, we have uh, authorities that release keys for us, which means that they are the men in the middle that we need to trust, uh, and they can sign in our behalf because they generated the key for us. So it's really nothing very secure. That's why the decentralization web tree is something that I love a lot. But it's also true that uh, for a lot of people that is less tech savvy, he exposed them to easier scams because, uh, you know, people pretend to be the security from whatever company asked them the seed phrase. People don't understand and give it to them. We separate, they may even not know their seed phrase, which they save them from giving it to somebody, which I love as a, as a things because every wallet asks you to write down your 24 words when you install it and generate something new. This is an optional thing with uh, Cyberox. So you can really give one wallet prepared to grammar and protector and uh, ethically uh, also know yourself, don't know the keys and she can really, uh, you know, do trading with uh, hundreds of millions of Bitcoin as grandmas do. And, uh, you know, with Cyberox really is a step ahead. I do believe there are many more steps to do with the respect. I mean, you guys did something amazing. In my mind, uh, there is already many other advancements that uh, uh, can uh, can be done, but you are the only one which I found uh, that really made a, a physical step ahead in bringing the keys uh, to fruition to everyone, which is, uh, which is something fantastic. And, uh, you know, now I would like to, to ask you also your opinions more on... Uh, the aspect of decentralizing, uh, like Web3, Metaverse, a lot of beautiful things, but, you know, just uh, stamping that uh, maybe in the future. But in, in other aspects are real. Like, uh, I actually vote for decisions that are important uh, uh, for how to use funds uh, on things using the keys. So uh, we'll, be, we'll become... So what, why is uh, all these things more than ever necessary today, what we need to do to step ahead, which is your take on uh, on the practical aspect of having grandma using something that uh, she can easily use without uh, risking, you know, to be hacked, compromised or something like this today, 2023. Right. So I think, uh, I think th these are like two different questions. I'll maybe try to answer them two separately. So one I think is more on the practical use cases. Why, why should a normal person care about it? in the first place, right? So I, I'll answer that first. And the second question I think you asked is more around, hey, what is, um, if, if the practical use cases are there, how are we trying to like bring it to like sort of normal people and, you know, what, what we are going to do about it so that they don't need to think about the security on their end, right? Because that's that's the default state we want to live in, wherein the users don't need to think about the security as much as we want to, right? And they should just, just they, they should just care about what the end goal is of using the technology rather than, you know, managing keys and things along those lines, which are, I think, uh, more of a problem for technical people like us to manage for them, right? Right. Um, so the first aspect I would say are like few areas where I personally 
um, you know, personally believe in, right? Um, so one of the aspects I think comes from my own personal story. So I was I was in my college days, you know, studying in university in my senior year. Uh, I had a lot of free time. So I said, hey, you know, let's build a new Android app, right? So I I'm an Android app developer by trade. So I built a new Android app, basically scaled it to like about $5,000 in revenue uh, in like three months of launch, which is great for like a college student. Absolutely, but, yes. Uh, but, but then like about uh, in the fourth or fifth month, Google basically shut down my app. Uh, the reason is they basically had a change of policy, right? And so now it was still like a side project for me, but I realized there are so many new businesses which gets impacted due to these kind of policy changes on which, uh, you know, these businesses rely on, right? So what, what my core belief system here is that even though, you know, because there are some people who, who basically complain that, hey, Web3 doesn't have too many users, I have a different approach to this. I believe that the first kind of users will always be developers in this case, because web, what Web3 uh, offers to these developers is basically uns uncensorable tech, right? That's in fact, what was my motivation into going to crypto as well, because it allowed me to build stuff on the infrastructure that was uncensorable, right? For me as a developer. Um, and if, if you can see even Facebook getting censored by Apple, if you saw the latest Apple update, when Apple completely took over the market of Facebook, the ad market, which is why Facebook is now focusing more on commerce, it can happen to any small business, right? If it can happen right. to someone like Facebook. And, and so for a developer, uh, the last thing you want to think about is the existential risk of your business, Right. Um, right. and that, that, that is what happens with these platforms. So I think crypto offers that uniquely. Uh, my, my, ho my hope is if Web3 UX or developer UX can reach a stage wherein it becomes comparable to the Web2 developer UX, yes. why, would, why would a developer ever build on Web2 stack compared to right. that? That is yeah, what I think. Uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, what I always tell people, crypto is just the tip of the iceberg of what uh, the centralization can bring to us. You know, the decentralized application, decentralized uh, web. Uh, so even uh, a browser that doesn't uh, take a DNS from a centralized name server, but uh, take it from a decentralized one and load the pages. So really what we are using today, hopefully for the end user, the only thing is going to change is the login system, which yes. is not going to be username and password, but it's going to be using one of your wallet. But uh, at the end of the day, it should shift to the centralized manner. And the paradigm, as in crypto, you don't call the bank to ask help, but uh, you will... Uh, uh, you know, think about uh, taking your own responsibility for what you do. This will be the same things, I think, in the Web3. So as in Twitter, which Jordersi was happening before Elon Musk came in, it was uh, building a uh, content management, a decentralized content management, so nobody can ask him to remove content. So the idea is that everybody can publish whatever. You choose what to see or not, you know, yeah. on the other side. And this is uh, really the aspect uh, that and the shift that we want to see with this Web3 revolution, of which you are one of the heroes because you really are doing something amazing. And uh, with this, I would like to thank you <laughs> for being part of Breaking Banks Europe. Maybe in the future, we're going to have another talk to see the version X2, I don't know, <laughs> Cyber Rock. But uh, I wish you a lot of success. And uh, thank you again for your time with us here at Breaking Banks Europe. Thanks for having me, Roberto. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.